Hi, Explorers. I'm Adriana Scori. I'm Cindy Dowsett. And I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. We are the mamas behind Kids Who Explore. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. We are honored to share the mic with adventurers from all over the world. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. So today on the podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. Usually you hear three hosts and today we are having two hosts, one being a very special guest who is another mama behind the scenes at Kids Who Explore. We have Rowan Roxgar. You may have heard her on the podcast in a previous episode where we interviewed her. So check out that. And then you have me, Lauren Rodick Eberly, who is excited to be back chatting with Michelle today. We are so excited to have Michelle Diaz here today. She was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, and her curiosity of nature drove her to study biology at the University of Calgary. Michelle has been a naturalist environmental educator for over 20 years and works for the Waste and Recycling Services at City of Calgary. She has two wonderful children, 10 and 13, who keep her very busy. In her spare time, you can find Michelle bird watching and cross country skiing. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me today. Can you tell us a bit about you, your interest in recycling and the planet, and of course, what you like to do outdoors? Sure. So um, I actually probably started my journey towards being an environmental educator from when I was a kid, surprisingly. I totally remember looking at the forest floor in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains, and like, I think it's called duff, actually, is the term that you, you know, the forest floor that has so much going on. But I, I, I remember like being obsessed with wanting to know exactly the name of everything that was going on and what is happening just among the pine needles. And then that just kind of, I've always had a love of nature and I kind of always wanted to be a teacher. But then I thought, why don't I just try and teach my favorite subject? And then when I had kids and school started coming around, I actually decided um, to homeschool my kids for the first five or six years. And so we did a blended program that, that is offered here in Calgary that's sort of a blended school and homeschool program. So that really involved a lot of nature exploration um, with my kids that allowed them to have that opportunity. So, um, and, and then just in my career, I've always done environmental education. I've worked as a naturalist for parks, uh, provincially and municipally, and then, uh, yeah, I moved over to waste and recycling and it's, you know, nature indirectly, but um, absolutely is just, you know, I, I actually really enjoy talking to people about the waste they make. It's a very tangible um, difference that you can make in, in your waste rather than just talking about nature and going, 
let's love nature. Let's be inspired by nature. And, you know, waste is like, here's something we can actually do to make a difference. So it's been really fun. That's amazing. And um, I'll definitely have to talk to you offside about homeschooling because that's something I want to do. And it looks like Lauren probably also keeping our kids outside as much as possible and out, yeah. of, out of desks. I think that's my dream. Yeah. Do you yeah. Mind mentioning that school that was the blended school? Yeah. So um, it's part of the CBE, like Calgary Board of Education um, school system. So it is public school and it's a school in Calgary called Windsor Park that offers a blended program. So all of the kids at this school do the same thing and they attend school two or three days a week and then they're not in school the other days. So um, yeah, it really offers an opportunity for me. It was like a part-time private school is what I felt like. Um, and the teachers there are so uh, into the idea of why most of the parents are have chosen that so that it's just sort of a different type of education and, um, and but it's it's actually a flagship program in the country like there aren't any other programs like that so it was phenomenal and my kids actually also had the opportunity to attend a forest school every Thursday of their lot like of their school careers so far um, this, this last year, funny enough, we decided to enter the school system again on COVID year. So it was like, ah, <laughs> this is <laughs> so exciting, but like, oh, cause my son's in junior high now. So we thought this is a good time to go back into it. And I'm really glad that we did, but too bad. Cause he would have enjoyed sports and drama and things, but wow. that's the way it is. I think oh we'll God. need to have another conversation with you about how to juggle homeschooling and work because that's important. <laughs> I do actually work part-time, which helps. Yeah. Okay. It's important probably. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say we could have a whole podcast episode on this and I'm so interested in this topic. So we might have to have you back or, <laughs> or like sure. just chat with you after. Yeah. But, happy to do it. Yeah, let's jump into talking a bit about getting people to be more conscious of the environment through recycling and compost. What are some good beginner tips? Oh, beginner tips. Okay, um, I would say that a lot of people, uh, especially adults, have the idea in their heads that the three R's are recycling, recycling, and recycling. Um, and, and that's like pretty common, especially with, I don't know, older generations, like in the 80s, recycling was quite new and amazing. And so it really got pushed very hard as a way to help the environment. And I think we haven't yet pulled back from that and put recycling in its proper place. And we're trying to do that now. So on a scale of one to 10, if you're talking about what you can do for the environment, um, 10 being the best thing you can do, and one being something you can do, recycling is only about a three out of 10. So it's, yeah, better than throwing things in the garbage, for sure. Yes, those things um, have a great chance of getting made into new things. Um, and it keeps all that out of the, the landfill. That's really important. But recycling itself does take a lot of energy. Um, and it can be its own worst enemy because people can go, well, I don't care how much of that. I'll buy. This is great. It's recyclable. So they might actually buy more of something that's recyclable just because they can later recycle it. And that kind of, so recycling can defeat itself in a way sometimes. And people like, it, you know, um, it can be argued that the benefits of 
recycling are negligible, uh, you know, but in terms of keeping stuff out of our landfill, absolutely, that's important. You know, going to Earth less to get the resources because we're reusing what we've already taken out. That's really great, too. Um, however, on the scale of one to ten, if you want to move up the waste hierarchy, the next R that's higher than that is a seven out of ten that be re uh, reuse. So if you reuse something, you are doing way more for the environment than you are if you just recycle it. And I think um, that's, you know, for one, it, it, you know, it's a hard step to mentally like recycling seems so good and so easy. Um, and the other thing is we have so much disposable stuff. There's no way we can possibly reuse every, you know, one-off item that we get. It, that's impossible. So you have to recycle. Um, just that's the way we're living right now. But uh, reusing things is like a seven out of 10. That's better than recycling. And of course, reduce is a 10 out of 10. So the more we can reduce um, the amount of stuff we have in our lives, there will therefore reduce the amount of waste we're making. That is the ultimate goal. So every time people, you know, talk to me about recycling, they've got so many questions, they want to know, know how to do it better. And they, they're inspired to be really good recyclers. I try to harness that enthusiasm and move them up the scale to get more impact. Okay, that's awesome. So in terms of recycling then, what are some of the top items that end up in the recycling system or here in Calgary, the blue cart system that do not belong there? Okay, good question. Um, probably our biggest problem in the blue cart right now is loose plastic bags. Um, loose plastic bags just billow up and they catch the air and they end up places where they should not be. And that's why plastic bags are such a problem in our natural environment. Um, and that's why, you know, I used to think, oh, some cities and countries are uh, getting rid of plastic bags, you know, banning plastic bags. And I thought, oh, we're just trying to reduce the amount of plastic we're using. No, that's a drop in the bucket for the amount of plastic we're using. It's because plastic bags end up in waterways um, and they end up causing flooding all over the world and they end up in our oceans. And uh, so we, what we want to do with plastic bags is make sure they're bundled all up in one. They need to be stretchy. First of all, that's the, the type of plastic that we accept here in Calgary in the blue cart system. Um, they can't be crinkly. So a pasta bag would be a crinkly type bag. That's a different type of plastic. We don't collect it here. Um, but any kind of stretchy plastic bag, like bread bags, produce bags, saran wrap, bubble wrap, like a potato bag, an apple bag, a carrot bag, those types of things, you just put them all into one bag and tie it up when you are finally putting uh, that recycling into the blue cart. So plastic bags are a huge thing. Um, and then I think people do tend to put in household items that shouldn't be in there. Um, We've generally got three categories. Um, it's containers. So any kind of container is what we want. We don't want actual products. So uh, we don't want toy trucks and um, shoes and toothbrushes and things like that. We're taking the packaging mainly is what we're recycling. So uh, we take containers that would be plastic containers, uh, metal containers and glass containers. All right, so bottles and jars, cans mainly it's going to be food cans um so steel 
or tin cans, and then plastic containers, mainly coming out of your kitchen and your bathroom. So there's the containers and then there's paper. That's the other category. And that's a very simple category. And the third category is the plastic bags. So stretchy plastic bags is the third category. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that info. And I hope that people are learning something I'm sure, because I've just learned something. Um, And then as far as compost, because here in Calgary, we have a municipal compost system and I think Edmonton is slowly rolling theirs out right now. What are some things that you guys often see getting put into the compost that do not belong there? Well, probably the biggest issues in our compost system um, would be uh, food packaging uh, and plastic. So um, say, for example, you've got some cheese that, you know, the little tiny end of the cheese that got moldy, um, instead of removing it from the packaging, somebody might just put the entire thing in because it's kind of gross. But what we want people to do is remove the food from the packaging and put in only the food and not the plastic. And so what Um, happens in the compost facility then if somebody does put the plastic in, does that get broken down into microplastics that end up into the compost? Right. So we do have systems for removing um, the plastic um, and especially large pieces of plastic. So generally the plastic does stay in larger pieces because it takes a whole lot longer than just, you know, our uh, 60 day cycle to break down plastic generally in, um, you know, when it, when it's biodegrading over a very, very long period of time. But what uh, we do is um, when a load is dropped off at the composting facility. First of all, uh, there's a visual scan that happens. So we take out anything really big that shouldn't be there, like plastic bags or garden hoses or um, plant pots and things like that, uh, that may have uh, come in that we can see. Um, And then there is a a part of the process where plastic is actually removed. um, And that would be, there are screening uh, screening for size that happens. And also um, this contraption called a cyclone. And what happens is the dirt goes into basically a tornado shape, like we spin it and the dirt is heavier. So it sinks down and then the plastic is lighter. It floats and we can remove it that way. That's so, so cool. um, but that is not to say that we would ever in like, we, we don't want contamination. Like the most, uh, like that we want, we put out maximal efforts to reduce contamination, uh, especially of plastic, because um, we would just, we don't want to have to do the removal um, if we don't need to, it's just going to be better. That said, I think um, it's approximately 3% uh, of our contamination right now. So it's fairly low. But that's probably one of the biggest problems. Uh, and that, that goes like for any composting system that's industrial and municipal is plastic. So, okay. That's a great reminder. So a lot of packages that are plastic, you can't recycle, such as toothpaste is just one of the ones that's popping in my head. And I know, Rowan, maybe you remember, Dr. Ashia talked about a company that you can contact and they will pick those up or you can ship it to them for recycling. Michelle, do you know of any of those kind of companies that people could 
take the next step and do more recycling outside of their city recycling? Yeah, so definitely um, any type of items that are packaging that are mixed material, such as, you know, your toothpaste tube is actually plastic and metal, and that's why we wouldn't accept it. Um, and you're right, there are different types of packaging that certainly seem like they would be recyclable, but say we don't accept it in our program. Um, TerraCycle do, does have programs um, where you can send certain items. The really interesting thing is though, that you really wanna look at um, how much energy is then gonna be spent on shipping something when it's just one item that you're trying to recycle. And it can completely negate the benefit of, you know, the effort of trying to recycle it in the first place. So I would be really, like some of those programs are really interesting and sometimes they can be beneficial. However, I think by and large, it's rather than scrounging at how you can recycle something, way better off to go the hierarchy way and go, okay, let's reduce as much as we possibly can. Let's reuse as much as we can. And then the recycling, let's not, let's do like, do it as well as we can, but not go super out of our way to recycle things. Yeah. That's generally if you follow those rules, like even your mental effort that it's going to take to find out the information, to make the effort, to put it in a package, to take it to the post office, whatever you're going to do. Um, you could be spending that energy doing something else, like even relaxing is probably going to be better for you <laughs> and for the environment if you're relaxed, right? Um, and, and you're better able to make decisions if you're relaxed or you've spent that time going for a walk rather than, you know, stressing about how you can recycle every single tiny thing, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and I have looked into TerraCycle a lot and there's a couple products that our audience is probably really familiar with, like... Um, there's a brand of baby food pouches and we do eat some baby food pouches in this house. They are great adventure snacks, but I think I'll definitely start to consider making my own in reusable pouches so that I don't need to be saving those pouches and shipping them off and using resources to send it across the country to Ontario to get mm -hmm. recycled. Um, and then another one is a popular popcorn brand from Costco, and it would be way better to just buy bulk popcorn seeds and make popcorn at your house instead of buying it in these large, not easy to recycle bags. Yeah. And, you know, those are really good points. And I think what we all have to do is, um, you know, when there are times when convenience is really important to you go ahead and use convenience you know um and then maybe instead of doing the recycling you've just got to throw that end product in the garbage and but then the other times when convenience isn't as important to you you know do it the other way do it the slow maybe more more you know effortful way um that is better for the environment but i think it's always a balance and i think um, feeling guilty about doing things one way or another is a trap that we can so easily fall into. And so I, I think, you know, it's more about thinking about the choices you can make and doing it as often as you can, but, you know, not um, making, you know, making your, your life really hard. 
because sometimes we do really need that convenience and that's okay. Yeah. And then on the topic of convenience, I've recently found these um, pre-made meals that you can get delivered to your house in Calgary, but they come in plastic containers that they take back to um, wash and reuse, but they're black plastic containers. And we have understood or heard that black plastic is like the most toxic plastic and black plastic can't be recycled. Do you know mm-hmm. anything about this? Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to, you know, the toxicity of using black plastic. You know, I'm not an expert on that. Um, I would probably know as about as much as you. But the reason why uh, sometimes black plastic can cause a problem in some recycling facilities is because, well, it's a it's funny, but the conveyor belts in our facility are black. And often the way our um, automated system recognizes items is because of their shape. And they're often optical scanners that do that. And so they can't sometimes recognize black on black and then they don't see it. And then it kind of gets kicked out um, when it is something that could be recycled. So we actually don't have a problem uh, with that, but I know that some facilities in the country do. And so they go, Oh, we don't accept black plastic because it does cause a problem um, for our machinery, like being able to recognize it. But in terms of it being recyclable, it, it is. Okay. That's really interesting. I had no idea about that. Very. (laughs) (laughs) The reasons behind a lot of this stuff is actually like totally fascinating and it's not, you know, what you would think sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for reminding people so much to do the reduce first, reuse, and then recycle. I know Rowan and I talk about this all the time and we're trying our best to reduce our footprint, sometimes probably to the point of guilt, like you were just talking about. But some quick quick little tips for our household things that we've done is switching to bar shampoo and conditioner so we don't have containers for that. And also things like our laundry detergent, switching to strips. So we don't have those and we have those instead of jugs. Can you think of some other mm-hmm. quick little strategies for people that would help reduce their waste either at home or while on the go at work or traveling? Because again, for our audience, that's one of the biggest ones is when you're adventuring the convenience over mm-hmm. reducing. Yeah, well, that's a great, a great one. And one that comes to mind right away is Ziploc bags. So, um, you know, Ziploc bags are recyclable, of course, but if we take them you know, on the scale of one to 10 and decide like all the different things we could do with them. Like you could throw it in the garbage. All right. That might be a one out of 10 because you didn't litter it. Um, you could recycle it because it is stretchy plastic. So you could stuff it in with your other plastic bags and recycle it that way. That'd be a three out of 10. You can reuse the block bags. That'd be a seven out of 10. Um, you can reuse them five times, 20 times if you keep on washing them or you can reduce the Ziploc bag. That means you don't buy them anymore. I stopped buying Ziplocs maybe seven years ago and I have not looked back. I have a drawer full of Ziplocs that I have not bought because people give me stuff in a Ziploc and then I I wash it and keep it. Or I bought, you know, frozen blueberries and they come in this fantastic like 
really high quality Ziploc. So then I'll rinse that out and I'll dry it and I'll keep it ready for when I need a Ziploc. But more than anything, what I have no lack of Ziplocs, let's just say that in my drawers. Um, but what I use instead is jam jars and, um, and uh, yogurt containers. And a really neat thing that I, I know a couple of people um, who do this as well, if you have a bunch of yogurt containers and that's how you're taking your lunch or your snacks in a backpack, as they get finished up, you can just stack the yogurt containers on top of one another as your food gets finished. So by the time you're done, you know, your, your snack and, you know, what's sort of taking up capacity in your backpack is like really reduced to like one yogurt container. So that's something I know. I also take my lunch often in a jar to work like a big wide mouth Mason jar or a wide mouth peanut butter jar. And I just like, we'll stick it directly in the microwave in the jar and then eat it and then put the lid back on, put it in the dishwasher when I get home. So I mean, anything that we can do to just sort of, I would say also in general, buy less. Um, clothing swaps, for example, are fantastic. I'm sure people do that a lot with, um, with kids' clothes and, and sharing them around because we all have like way too many of them, basically. And, and even with, you know, our own clothes and adults, um, doing clothing swaps, just anything you can do uh, to reduce the amount of stuff we're all consuming, because, uh, you know, it, it's probably you can look and say some of this is really unnecessary. And, you know, how long can I actually go uh, without um, really needing more right now? So, you know, and it all has to be tempered with really making sure that we're doing it uh, in a way that we're not like really taxing ourselves to feel guilty. Um, and I can talk more about eco guilt. That's for sure. It's a, it's a really big topic these days. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely, I've been working from home since I've come back from maternity leave. So I've been wearing extremely casual clothing. And now that I have a couple pants that are appropriate enough to wear into the office, two pairs of pants that I think will just be on constant rotation. I look in my closets and think, why did I need all of these other clothes? <laughs> so I'll definitely be um, donating a lot and not consuming as much going forward, just buying, um, trying to buy more sustainable, uh, long lasting pieces rather than fast fashion kind of clothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. And secondhand, whenever we can, is fantastic. That's reusing right there. Yeah. Um, and then another question about compostable containers. Um, I've kind of wondered, like, is it more beneficial to the environment to buy something that's in a compostable container versus a recyclable or reusable container? Like, does it mm -hmm. take a lot of resources to actually create those compostable containers? Yeah, well, absolutely it does. And so I think when you're looking at, you know, what to buy things in, um, you know, first of all, sometimes I think of, I think of, you know, we're creatures of habit. And so often when we get into buying a certain product, then every time we go shopping, we buy the same products all the time. So um, sometimes it is really good to actually sit and do the research on, oh, how do I want to be purchasing that item or that 
that product that we need a lot, how do we want to be buying it? Um, so one, one factor that's important is whether or not your municipality um, will be able to handle that item. So for example, here in Calgary, we don't accept any kind of compostable plastic items in our, in our system at all. Um, and that's just because of the way our processing works. Um, we, we can't uh, break it down in the time frame that we would need to. So in, in our system, then you're looking at, well, you don't actually have a place to recycle or to compost that compostable plastic thing that you just bought. Or if you're using compostable um, plastic plates, for example, then if you're not, if you don't have a place to then compost them, then, you know, of course, there's no point in buying those. Um, now, when people are doing this kind of thing at the office, it can be different because different haulers that are taking away your waste from an office setting may be taking it to a facility that does handle compostable plastic just fine. The same with some of the festivals in Calgary that do use compostable items and compostable plastic items. Um, they are, they've hired a hauler that is taking them to a place that it will actually get composted properly. So the city of Calgary green cart program doesn't accept that, but it, it could be accepted. Now, the bottom line is that reusable is always going to be better. So anytime we can use, you know, glass or ceramics or that kind of thing, it's always going to be better. And all of these packages do take resources to make. Paper is usually um, the, a really trusty, reliable um, product to buy things in as a container. Paper is one of the better ones for sure. Metal is really good because recycling metal um, saves a ton of energy and it's, that's a really good system. And paper recycling is quite good as well. Um, plastic is just so cheap and it's so abundant um, that the value of it is really reduced in general. So yeah, it's better to avoid plastic when we can. And, and like I said about the compostable plastic, you got to know whether um, it can even be compostable, uh, composted where you are. Okay. So yeah, that's a good point because I had recently found some compostable um, dental floss sticks at a store here in Calgary. And I was using them and thinking, oh, I'm being so much better for the environment. But then the one day I was looking at it and I was like, but what is this made out of? And I wasn't even putting them in the compost. I was putting them in the garbage can. So like... <laughs> Just because you buy something that says it's compostable doesn't mean that even you are thinking consciously where you're putting it. And then mm -hmm. if I was putting in the compost, it wasn't going to get composted anyways. Do you think silk dental floss is the best alternative since it's a natural fiber versus plastic? Um, I think that when you get down to really tiny items like this, it is, it's, you're, you're probably splitting hairs where you could have much bigger fish to fry. Like we've got a lot of plastic in our lives that's probably causing a lot more problem and taking up a lot more space than just a tiny bit of dental floss. And dental floss is, you're right, plastic these days. Um, and so for me, I would say that's something that you probably don't need to really worry about very much at all. And I would spend energy worrying elsewhere. Okay. Or, you know, not worrying about that, at least. <laughs> okay. Michelle, Thank I know you. we're coming up on your time here, but in regards to that, I guess less so about the eco guilt, but about for people knowing, 
if it should be going in our recycling bins so that we're not wasting resources and time at the facilities. In mm -hmm. the small sauce containers, you get, let's say you go to Chop Leaf and they give you your sauce on the side or something like that, um, and Starbucks lids. Because I know I've had discussions with friends, does that go in the recycling or does it not? Yeah, good question. So um, for example, any kind of, um, lids such as coffee disposable coffee cup lids like Starbucks lids, Starbucks lids or say you get it you know uh, a pop um, and it has one of those plastic lids on top where you stick the straw through any those lids we don't accept at uh, our recycling facility so we don't accept them in the blue cart because what happens to them at the facility is they just they're so light that they fly up and they fly away. They're just, they're hard, harder to sort of capture because they're so light. Um, and so the other rule of thumb is anything that's smaller than the palm of your hand or say smaller than a bus ticket or a credit card, you know, um, is gonna be harder to manage. So probably this, the sauce container is going to be such a small piece of plastic that yeah, it's gonna be hard to catch such as the Starbucks lid. Um, now, if you're at it, those items are absolutely recyclable. It's just that that system doesn't capture it. So I know at Starbucks, they, if you recycle the Starbucks lid at Starbucks, they're capturing all of those really well, all in one, and they're sending them off to be recycled together. So it's not that it's not recyclable. It's just a matter of, we don't accept them in our system uh, because of the nature of the item, but Right. So it, it is actually recyclable. Now, of course, we all know that anytime um, you're looking at, you know, the nitty gritty of that problem, you know, uh, reusable is always going to be better. So when you can remember your coffee cup, great. If you get coffee out a lot, then, you know, that has to be part of our routine. And if, um, you know, we're out and about and we get a coffee and we have to use disposable, that is fine, too. You know, then you do your best with um disposing of it as well as you can. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you so much for these great tips. Is there anywhere that people can find you to follow along? Are you on social media or is there anywhere that people can find you? <laughs> well, you can always find me um, at the city of Calgary. We, if anyone does have questions and they're from Calgary, I know this does go farther than just this city, but um, you can always call 311 for any of these types of questions that you guys are asking today. Um, the City of Calgary website is really good as well. We've got lots of interesting recycle facts and um, videos that you can watch. So that's a great place to check out as well for information. Um, yeah, and we, we also do uh, library programs as well um, that are public and virtual right now. So we've got, I think, five slated for the fall. One is going to be about uh, composting. One is going to be about uh recycling and we're going to even have a special Christmas um, season episode well not episode but presentation through the library um, just about how we can be better at the three R's during Christmas time as well that's amazing I will link that all up in our show notes too perfect awesome uh, one more question for you if there was no time or money limit where would you travel and explore oh <laughs> you know what Funny enough, I think I know the answer to this, which is crazy. I would like to do the Camino de Santiago, like in Spain. 
Uh, and not for religious reasons, but I, I have spent a lot of time in Spain and I think walking for days on end um, and meeting people along the way who are doing the same thing. It's a pilgrimage that was traditionally like a Catholic pilgrimage, but um, people do it for all kinds of different reasons now. And there's lots of places to stay along the way and the food and the culture. It's just um, most of it is where I'd want to walk is along the Northern coast of Spain. So yeah, that is, is it really? Yeah, Yeah. I think that would be fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. I am so grateful for learning and uh, releasing some of my everyday guilt. (laughs) For sure. That's really important because it it does hold us back and um, guilt can be overwhelming and it can be paralyzing. And then, you know, we may not do anything and that's not good either. So yeah, we want to be as guilt-free as possible and and really put a positive spin um, on what we can do as much as we can. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate your time today. My great pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms.